Good evening. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group. To be prepared for study, let's get focused by having a three-minute moment of silent meditation followed by the fog light prayer. Where are we? Good evening, everyone. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Doc. And I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mike Chase. Thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to start the meditation in a minute, so please take a moment to get situated. Um, please turn off. No, don't turn off any devices because then you will not see us. Um, I don't know. Close the door. <laughs> yeah, but don't don't let your actions be distracting. And if you have a coffee area, now is the time to get some coffee. <laughs> I was watching a, a Zoom meeting the other night, and the, the two chair people who were supposed <laughs> to be participating, they're like lounging on their bed on their phones, FaceTime at the same time. So it's kind of cool we're not watching what you folks are doing out there today. Um, go grab yourself some coffee because we're going to be here for a good hour and 15 minutes. Also, for the meditation, some suggestions are focus on your breath, the in and out, and posture. Breathe in that light of God and breathe out that dark self. Take this time to get reconnected to God. Let the craziness of your day drift away. And ask God to help you focus on the study today. So we'll see you guys in about three minutes. The monks will jump in any minute now. Let's go. Thanks.
prayer. God, God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. So we have a special guest tonight. We've got Mark going to be our secretary tonight. Hey, Mark, good to have you here. Hey, hello, hi, my, my name is Mark. We've got to turn the power on. There we go. Okay, in keeping with our seventh tradition, which states that every group should be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets normally go around. We ask you at this time, if you can and will, to donate to your local intergroup office. So the baskets are not going to go around. Um, um, we ask a friend to read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. So, and we have a, we have a surprise secret guest, Anonymous. Here he is. Hope your podium's on. Recovered. We are recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. 
An allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now seeing where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Anonymous. Remember, there's that, uh, my sponsor likes to say people dress up like they're going to commit a felony sometimes when they go to meetings. Literally, this one did. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a number stenciled on the front of his shirt. Yeah, too. Hi. Hi. Aside from the felonies, 1940-style big books sponsorship from the forward to the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. The alcoholics who came to A and really tried, 50% of them got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. <clears throat> what we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. The group has CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale, normally at the meeting, but if you want one that bad, we can send one to you. Yeah. Right? We meet every Monday promptly at 7.15, and we ask you be courteous and ready to begin at the Road to Recovery tune. See you next week. Thanks, Mark. We got about, we got about eight more. Oops. Uh, forward from the first edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book and of this group. The, the, the tremendous, from the, there is a solution also from the big book. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. This is an open meeting. As such, all who have interest in alcoholism and our program of recovery are welcome. Because this is an open, you need not identify yourself in any reason for being here. You do not wish to do so. Your anonymity will be protected. We ask that you protect ours. As you all know, this is being Facebook Live. The only people who can watch this are people who are members of this group. You can't uh, forward it to anybody else. So that's how we're keeping the anonymity. Here we go. It's a closed group. Uh, and you can uh, virtually give us a show of hands who are of people who are joining us for the first time. If you haven't been kicked off. <laughs> and, and then the recovered addict, alcoholics. Sorry, this is alcoholics. While this is an open meeting, membership in this group is limited to those who wish to recover from alcoholism and have a desire to stop drinking for good and all. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is a potential sponsor of a new member and should clearly recognize the obligations and duties of such a responsibility. I really like that. Does anybody need a book? Book. We have a few loners. Uh, it, should, it should be right there in front of you under your coffee. If you can't find it, it's probably holding the door open. Yeah, and you can always contact your neighborhood intergroup and purchase one of those. They can always use the uh, people checking in with them. So before we begin to study this book, last week we reviewed Tradition 10, was it? Yeah. And that would mean this time we're going to do Tradition 11. Please refer to the Underbridge Big Book. That's uh, 562 in the Big Fat Books. And if you got one of those little mini books, uh, that's page 177. And, of course, we have Tanisha. Did you want to sterilize your neighborhood first? 
Thank you. Tanisha, last week was awesome, babe. Two more weeks of this, and we have somebody new coming along. Another, Surprise. Another yeah. <laughs> there you go. You can't get up sitting down. <laughs> okay. Speak really close to the mic and loud. Hello, everyone. My name is Tanisha, and I'm your recovered alcoholic traditionist. Hey, Tanisha. Yay. All right, and with that, we are reviewing, as Mike said earlier, uh, Tradition 11. In the short form, Tradition 11 states, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. It's hard to breathe. Uh oh. <laughs> In the long form, our relations with the general public should be characterized by personal anonymity. We think AA ought to avoid sensational advertising. Our names and pictures as AA members ought not be broadcasted, filmed, or publicly printed. Our public relations should be guided by the principle of attraction rather than promotion. There is never need to praise ourselves. We feel it better to let our friends recommend us. And with that said, 11 tradition. It took not an AA member for me to become an AA member. And in telling others I am an AA is not breaking my anonymity. It's letting them know who they can come to for help. If we were a secret society, then it would be hard for the sick alcoholic to find us. When it comes to radio, press, and films, we, our personal identity, remains anonymous. There's also a public information committee who can also help organize us with radio, press, and film. I remember just having days under my belt, waking up in night sweats, turning on the TV, and finding the story of AA on public broadcasting. As I was watching, I noticed people talking, but I could not, I could only hear them. I couldn't see their face. I could only see their silhouette. Besides confirming that AA was the way at 2 a.m. when I couldn't sleep, <laughs> I experienced firsthand the 11th tradition. I remember my sponsor explaining our anonymity, and it was like someone had a relapse, if someone had a relapse, after showcasing their, a member of AA, our reputation would be then distorted. And for that, we must remain anonymous to protect AA. Another example as I was driving on the way here, I thought of I remember one time I was um, driving by and I saw one of my friends riding his bike. And yeah, he did go to my old home group. And um, I said, hey, Cisco. You know, that's just an anonymous name. And so <laughs> later on, I asked him, I was like, was that breaking your anonymity? He was like, no, 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 it wasn't. You know, if I would have yelled out his whole name, then it would have broken his anonymity. So we have to be careful with things like that as well. Um, if you're ever in contact with Radio Press and Film and you want to discuss something, I was told to 
like I even like did a speech um, dealing with the court system. You know, they, oh yeah, she's a success story. And even in that speech, I didn't mention AA. I mentioned 12-step program because that right there, God forbid, if I was to ever even act up, throw a fit, throw a temper tantrum, you know, really show my, uh uh-huh, right, that can go as far as ruining the reputation, distorting the way that people should actually look at AA. So, you know, attraction rather than promotion. You know, we want to not, it's not all about looks. It's more about behavior and how we present ourselves. So, you know, act as a gentleman, act as a lady here in AA and outside because you never know who's watching. Thank you very much. All right, Boom. Thank you very much. Yeah, I had a question. Hang on. I had a question, but now she's gone. Come on back, kiddo. He's got a question. I'm still here. I'm still here. So are you saying then, am I understanding you correctly when you say that it's that we have to practice both, that it's equally important that if that we one not promote AA mm-hmm. no matter what we're doing and, mm-hmm. and, and so that that's if I go on TV and I say I'm an alcoholic, I'm not anything to do with AA. No. That's not breaking the tradition, right? I'm not no. promoting anything. Right. But on the other hand, I may not want to do that because I'm I'm demonstrating what a recovered alcoholic does, and so that my behavior has to balance out my anonymity. Is that what I'm hearing Ab- you say? Absolutely. Yes. You're awesome. You got it. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> I, I in the tradition, I like the part sensational advertising. Yeah. Remember about eight, probably seven years ago when uh, they, they started putting the uh, ads up on the billboards, AA, you got a drinking problem, call us, and in the bus benches, and whatnot, and there's this big uproar in the community of like, oh, we're breaking the... It's like, no, it's, you know, we can't have like show tunes and jingles and, yeah. you know, fancy ads with gizmos and I, I fireworks. I jingle. Hey, yeah. if you're drinking way too much, right? Don't invest in us all too much. <laughs> No, but that's what—that's the only reason I knew what AA was—is because there was some late-night uh, public service announcement that said, "If you have a problem, give us a call." Right. That's all. I—that's—I I would have never known anything about it. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's ninth step, though, too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is that we demonstrate all the things that we—we we don't say, "I'm sorry." We, through our life, demonstrate that God's entered us, and, and we show that life. I got 12-step by uh, some guy from whose family was in the Rat Pack on Larry King. He was up there full-blown, him, his name, and his family, and everything like that. And, you know, if, if he hadn't done that, I might not be here today. You know, that helped me get there. So right. sometimes God outs us when he doesn't want to out us and well, stuff right. like that. And the other side is remember all the... In the 90s, when all there was a big wave of celebrities that got sober in AA, yeah. and and six months into it, they're all announcing on all the daily mm-hmm. talk shows on Oprah, and mm-hmm. you, you don't remember Phil Donahue, but he was around. And back then, in the 90s, all that stuff, and during the daytime, and they were going, yes, we're members of AA, and we're mm-hmm. celebrating, and then they'd relapse. And, and that kind of depromotes us, I think. Right. I think that does a lot more harm than does do anything we could possibly do ourselves. Miss Tanisha, thank you so much. You're we'll so see awesome. you one more amazing week. Can you give us a mist of 
Can you give us a quick spray, please? So in order for us to stay focused, especially us two, we use the Big Book Study Guide, which was prepared for Krusty Cliff with help from Joe and Charlie, the Big Book uh, Comes Alive series, folks. Krusty. Uh, so tonight, I think we should pick Mark to be our reader. You think that's a good idea? Yeah. We should right. show our hands. Mark, you want to be our reader tonight? Why not? Awesome. It's pretty close. Well, tonight we're going to start reading. I think we, we're going to be picking up with Jim's and maybe slide into some of the Jaywalker tonight. So why don't we just start on, on page 34 when we get to that? Um, so how's this going to work? So he's going to read from page 34 on. And after the page is read, we're going to ask questions from the podium starting from the top of that page. The answers will be one sentence unless otherwise specified multi-part questions are simply one sentence split up by commas, semicolons, you like this part, semicolons, hyphens, and other fun bits of punctuation. What does that mean? Oh, sorry. I didn't know if you wanted me to read again. Basically. I keep, I keep losing my job. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, this is, how many times have you been here now? Twice? Twice. You're doing, okay. fam, you're doing better okay. than me. Basically. Basically, in English, in English, what that means is that we are going to read the material in the big book through, once through. Then re-dissect the information a second time and create each sentence into a question. Mm-hmm. Right? So that through the question-answer format. Notice how the language in the questions give us a new light in which to consider the study material because each question is the answer. Which sort of gives the impression that it's not how quickly you can read through the big book, but how much you can comprehend as you're going through it. Well, I got to tell you, 30 years of 20, 30 years sober, 20 years of studying the book, right? And I learned last week, I learned a lot about Jim that I, I didn't know before. We're going to learn more about it's Jim. It's by taking time. I hope Jim likes us talking about him. You know how alcoholics love to be talking about I, I'm a spirit medium. I could ask him. Sure. This is important because hearing the questions and rereading the content offers a definite way of comprehending the material covered. After we've completed the page, we open up for comments, questions, and observations based on what you have just read. So please stay. If you do call in or our conversations, let's stay focused on what we read. Let's not go off on a squirrel hole. If you have spiritual experience with this information, feel free to share. And if you're new, feel free to ask questions, please. That's the most important part. However, I like that word, big book study is not therapy. Right. You imagine therapy with me. Sit down! You're just a big love ball. Don't act. Don't lie. Should you You'd begin, be crying before they are. I know, I would be crying before they are. Should you begin sharing about topics which were more appropriately discussed in a different, i.e. sponsorship setting, please do not be offended when we cut that conversation short and we give you the Larry King. For that purpose, we have fellowship meetings before and after our study. And Zoom. Awesome. Yeah, Get I the opportunity on, to go to the Zoom meeting. Probably for 45 minutes. Yeah, an after meeting Zoom. That's that awesome. Meeting. It was great last night. Um, but, you know, you can never wrong by commenting on the page, which brings us to one of the, co- one of the co- words of the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sobriety, freedom through al- freedom from alcohol through the teachings and practice of the 12 steps is the sole purpose of an Alcoholics Anonymous group. Let's see how well we can do this tee-up tonight. So, we uh, didn't before just... Before tee-up, I have to do... Go. i, I got to say something. Tanisha is completely... It, do you notice that she was all coordinated with her glasses, her mask, her mask her dress, matched her, her nails, outfit. everything. She's rocking it, man. That mask matched her 
outfit and her glasses. It was like it didn't get past me, and I'm straight. She came completely oh, prepared. Man, the best way. Oh, it's homemade mask, see, <laughs> babe. That's see, that's that's happy, joyous, and free right there, man. That is that is through through what did we just say? What she just read? Through not the uh, anonymity. Yeah, yeah, but not promotion. What's the other word? Attraction. 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 That's attraction. Thank you very much. Right? <laughs> Thank you much. Sorry, I had to do the shout out because couldn't go. So we are our twenty our twenty sixth session tonight, and we just didn't decide to like pick apart Jim tonight. We started twenty five <laughs> weeks ago in the forwards, which is an opportunity for us to find some of the historical beginnings of the fellowship. Um, I always think it's kind of important for people to know what they're getting into if they're going to make Alcoholics Anonymous a way of life. So we discuss some of the some of the growth periods, some of the problems, and some of our success stories as we go through that in the forwards and the preferences, which uh, leads us to a. The lovely doctor's opinion. Leads us to somebody who fells, who, who's going to give us a, an explanation why Alcoholics Anonymous is where it is. Who was an army. Who was an army, but in, 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 you know, an extremely intelligent man. And a man who had, I forget how many it had said. Gosh, I'll have to look it up for next week. But I think in his lifetime, 40,000 alcoholics and drug addicts he had treated mm-hmm. in his lifetime. And those drug addicts were opium addicts. You know, and 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 not only did he look at this, but he looked. He knew that there was no treatment for these people, and especially alcoholics. But alcoholics, he said, it's the same disease, and I can't do anything for them. They just keep going out, coming in, going out, coming in. And when Bill showed him, he said, "This is this is freaking amazing. That your attitude is treating people. It's not a psychological treatment." What's going on? And he wrote a whole chapter about it. His experience was similar to that of a rehab today. They get, let's say, 10 patients. They do their therapy. They do their nutritional skills. They do. He didn't do equine therapy, but they worked on these people, vision boards and whatnot. And about eight of his patients he'd never see again. They, they did the deal. They did the therapy, and they, came, they never came back. About 10% of the guys kept coming through. And that's where he started coming up with the concepts about chronic alcoholic, real alcoholic. And, and so he started seeing the difference between problem-heavy hard drinkers and us, the real alcoholics which led us into Bill's story, which allows us to see Bill's progression from just a normal, everyday kind of guy who really wants to succeed in life, who when Bill was given us a, a challenge, some, something to go after, he always succeeded, except later on when his alcoholism kicked in. He was no longer capable of um, controlling or enjoying his drinking. He struggled for years, and we see how that goes through. And then Ebby shows up out of nowhere <laughs> with a solution that's, that's, that's first century Christian in nature, and Bill wasn't really into that. But then he became so desperate that he was going to go for that. And Ebby was a smart guy. He said, listen, you don't want to go with our conception. Why don't you come up with your own conception? And hence, Bill had a spiritual experience. So the next chapter is going to give us an opportunity to see how that spiritual experience and our alcoholism comes into play to a solution. And that chapter is called... There is a solution. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it remarkable when you started reading the book or you... Even, even if you... Like, like I did, I spoke to someone who read the book. Right? I didn't read the book when I first got here. I talked to members, and they had read the book, and I pretended I had looked at the book. But I spoke to them, and they told me some of the things in it. But to know that there were three other types of drinkers under me, right? I just thought there was one type. Either you drank or you didn't drink. And for some reason, I couldn't stop drinking. So I was one in a hundred million, right? I was the one who for some reason couldn't fit into everybody else, 
And when they said, no, 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 there are lots of us that are just like you, and we're just a division of different kinds of drinkers. It was like such a relief, not only to know that the, 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 you know, the rest of the group was exactly like me, but that, that we had been uh, uh, designated different specific types of drinkers that doesn't matter how much of a reason I have to stop. Because that was my big thing, right? I had so many reasons to yeah. stop, and still, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. And, and when, when we came to there's a solution, it was like, geez, there's one solution for all of us in this group? We don't have to custom. This is awesome. I'm in. I'm just with you. I'll just hang with all of you, and pretty soon I'll get it. And, and, and I did. I had to do what they did. I had to do what you did. I had to do what you did. I read the book. I went to the meetings. I went to all the, the activities. No, I probably did it the other way around. Went to meetings, went to the activities, then started reading the book, doing the steps, working with others. And before I knew it, I was, you know, this is a way of life. What, 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 what Sneaky, isn't it? One of the greatest gifts you could have gotten, and we didn't know what we were getting. God, that first, that first party was a late night party outdoors, like at a, at, a, at a picnic place out in the Phoenix desert. And... Uh, that's where we always used to have illegal keg parties, right? In my late teens and early 20s, was just out in the desert or near the mm-hmm. foothills of the mountains and drink and drink, and I'd get in fights, and I'd sleep with somebody's girlfriend, and it'd be, you know, all that stuff. And you wake up in the morning and go, oh my God, that first AA party where there was no beer, but there was dancing and music and a DJ and everybody there, I woke up in my bed and thought, oh my God, who do I owe? Uh, an apology, what have I done, what do I need to fix, and it, and, and, and it settled on me, I'll never forget, like sunlight, Sunday morning, right? Nobody, nobody. Your, Your first happy night. My first, oh my gosh, that was so awesome to wake up and go, I don't, I didn't do anything wrong last night, I just had a good time. I still needed to do some apologies after my first couple of <laughs> Yeah, it was years later. So Bill's story leads into their solution, which helps us to come to a determination of how a spiritual experience relates to having sobriety, where it comes from. It's not like we just sort of tripped into let's become spiritual. It's like we tripped into <laughs> this gets people sober. So that's something we did. Um, and it's interesting how we're going to get into this a little bit later. But the way that the book was written, the book was written in such a way that it's to the general public as a whole. Anyone can read this book and, and they think that this book was written for them. The wife of an alcoholic, the, the co-worker of an alcoholic. And then the alcoholic thinks it's sort of, it was, it was, you know, you like to say it was, it was written in such a way that uh, God intervened when he, this was written, you know. So we're going to find out today how we're going to get and more about alcoholism. We're going to be talking about Jim and then we're going to talk into hopefully getting some jaywalkers. And it gives everybody an opportunity to see what we are like and maybe can relate to their Al-Anonic, what do you call it, your Al-Anon? They call them an Al-Anon? Something like that. And then we're going to see... The drinker? The, 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 the non-drinker's friends. Like the, the, oh, they're yeah. going to see how they're going to start... But at the same time, we're starting to see ourselves. Yeah. Not The book has yet gone and said, you know, Doc, this is you, you're an alcoholic. Right. It, it slowly lets us to come that's to our right. own Let me tell you a story about a friend I once had. You once had. Right, and that's, that's Jim. And let me tell you about... Bill says, let me tell you about something that happened to me, and let me tell you about another guy I know. But yeah, it's yet to come to the point where it says, uh, 
By the way, we've been talking about you. <laughs> what did they say? They knew. How did they know? How did they know my story? They they saw me coming. Yeah. How did he know? Because we're basically all the same in general areas. So why don't we start picking up on page? So we just got through the man of 30. So we're in more about alcoholism, which a lot of people like to call chapter on relapse or, or what untreated alcoholism. Knowing about the disease, knowing about the solution is not the same as being recovered. You, you go through the steps and so we're gonna, what we're doing more about alcoholism is showing how an untreated alcoholic with all the knowledge and all the reasons still is incapable of stopping and why that is. Now, we get into the mental obsession. We talked about a man of 30 who is basically just about the, the physical aspects, the alcoholic allergic reaction and now we're sliding into the mental obsession, the fact I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink. Can I get a couple of doubles but don't let anybody see yeah. that type of sneaky yeah. stuff. So why don't we, so we've been through that. We're going to stop at... Um, Let's start reading at top of 34. As we look back. As we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is a scant chance of success. <clears throat> In early days of our drinking, we occasionally remained sober for a year or more. Becoming serious drinkers again later. Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. For those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. Many of us felt we had plenty of character. There was a tremendous urge to seize forever, yet we found it impossible. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, his utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. How, then, shall we help our readers determine, to their own satisfaction, whether they are one of us? The experiment of quitting for a period of time will be helpful, but we think we can render an even greater service to alcoholic sufferers and perhaps to the medical fraternity. So we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking, for obviously this is the crux of the problem. So this is where we're going to start um, concentrating for a question and answer and discussion a little later on. I always like to start this off with a little note on the top that says, when you make a decision based on a lie, you always run into the truth, which is one of the worst things we hate. Truth. So let's pick up. What sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink? Friends who have reasoned with him after a spree which has brought him to the point of divorce or bankruptcy are mystified when he walks directly into a saloon. Why does he? Of what is he thinking? Our first example is a friend we shall call Jim. This man has a charming wife and family. He inherited a lucrative automobile agency. He had a commendable World War record. He is a good salesman. Everybody likes him. He is an intelligent man, normal so far as we can see, except for a nervous disposition. He did no drinking until he was 35. In a few years, he became so violent when intoxicated that he had to be committed. On leaving the asylum, he came into contact with us. We told him what we, know, what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found. 
he made a beginning. His family was reassembled, and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. That's six white chips nowadays, isn't it? It sure is. The walk of shame. On each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. He agreed he was a real alcoholic and in serious condition. He knew he faced another trip to the asylum if he kept on. Moreover, he would lose his family, for whom he had a deep affection. Yet he got drunk again. Seventh white chip. By the way, what do untreated alcoholics end up doing? Get loaded. Yeah, drinking. That was a a foot drop, isn't it? (laughs) We asked him to tell us exactly how it happened. This is his story. I came to work on Tuesday morning. I remember I felt irritated that I had to be a salesman for a concern I once owned. I had a few words with the boss, but nothing serious. Then I decided to drive into the country and see one of my prospects for a car. On the way, I felt hungry, so I stopped at a roadside place where they have a bar. I had no intention of drinking. I just thought I would get a sandwich. I also had the notion that I might find a customer for a car at this place, which was familiar for I had begun for I've been going to it for years. I had eaten there many times during the months I was sober. I sat down at the table and ordered a sandwich and a glass of milk. Still no thought of drinking. I ordered another sandwich and decided to have another glass of milk. Suddenly, the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. That didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. Three. (laughs) thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim here was the threat (laughs) of commitment (laughs) but that's all (laughs) he's in his blackout now Jim is out of (laughs) here the loss of family and position to say nothing of that intense mental and physical suffering which drinking always caused him he had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic Yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if he only mixed it with milk. Whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be called anything else? You may think this is an extreme case. To us it is not far-fetched, for this kind of thinking has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences. But there was always the curious and mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Our sound ideal failed to hold us in check. The insane idea won out. Next day we would ask ourselves, in all earnestness and sincerity, how it could have happened. In some circumstances we have gone on we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, mm-hmm. anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. But even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. 
we now see that when we began drinking deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. So we're going to pause there. We're going to pick up. We're going to fly through Jim's story. Let's not spend too much time on that. We cover a little bit. Let's try to bring it back to life. And perhaps you picked up some things over the week that you didn't know previously. So uh, let's start off with the questions. We're going to start the questions on 35. And the paragraph right before Jim's story. How's that? Um... Okay. In what state of mind are alcoholics friends and why? Rest of the paragraph. Okay, let me find where you are. What here. sort of thinking? 35, top. Right. What sort of that. What, uh, not what will we describe. Yeah, just start on what is the, read that whole paragraph. What sort of thinking? Down what is there. the question at this point? Yeah. Uh, refer to the first paragraph on 30. Yeah, don't worry about the question. You just read the book. That will confuse you. So what is, and we're at what sort of drinking dominates yeah. an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink? That's the question. What sort of thinking dominates, and by the way, the answer is not only here, it's also on 21 and 22, where it describes the real alcoholic. That is Jim all the way through it. It takes this story and turns it into two pages. You know, and ends with it says asylums, asylum institutions. So there's our what what is the thinking that dominates a real alcoholic who 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 baffles us? It says on page 21, repeats time after time the desperate experiment. And and I love how he said the first experiment went so well I did it again. Right? Prove that experiment. Boom. Third one. My, it's no longer an experiment, right? It's phenomenon has kicked in, and it's out right. of the way. i, I, I got to say, last week, I don't want to dominate this, but last oh. week was the first time I read Jim's story um, where I didn't, on page 36, last week was the first time I didn't believe him, right? Last week was the first time I listened to that. I read it, we broke it apart, and I heard it as a newcomer lying to me. Lying to himself and lying to me. That's the first time I heard it that way. Okay. I have, all other times I've looked at it with that same thinking that I've had where you have a whiteout, where you think you're doing great, and all of a sudden, one day, without any thought, I, I went to a meeting, and on my way home, I stopped at a liquor store and got drunk. I had a friend who had a year sober. He used to come home after working with his brother, roll a joint, smoke, watch the Beverly Hillbillies laugh, and then that's how their evening ended every day. And he came home a year sober. His brother was still getting high. So he came home, sat down, reached under the couch, got a tray, rolled a joint. And after he smoked it, he went, oh, shit, what did I do? Oh, shoot, what did I do? Right? And it was that wide out with no thought of doing it. And that's how I read it. And I think it's kind of both. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of untreated that alcoholics will always drink. Right, he doesn't know why, and he's lied to himself so well. It only takes about three words into myself lie for me to buy it. You know, once I decide I'm going to lie to myself, I'm anxious to accept that lie. So. Once he pulled out of the car lot with the intention of going to the country where he knew that his bar was, and he knew right. that his friends several were. times, several times, every real every relapse was there. So let's jump to the. Let's go to Jim's story real quick. What kind of what kind of what kind of family did Jim have? Okay, down here. Our first example. Is, uh, first example, Jim. Uh, this is a man with a charming wife. 
and charming family I admit. What had Jim inherited? Oh, a lucrative automobile agency. That's big money. How was his war record? He had a commendable World War. That's World War I. Last week we mentioned how <clears throat> really awful skippy that war was. Was he good at his profession? Man, he was a good salesman. You know why? He probably took people out drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and? And your next question. Was he a likable cuss? Yeah, because everybody likes him, and that's who you buy your car from, is the guy you like. Three-part question. Was he a dummy? Was he normal or abnormal, except for what? He was an intelligent man, normal so far as we could see, except for that nervous disposition. He's on edge a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but that's Got a little Joe Pesci. But that doesn't make you alcoholic. That's no, just nervousness. Nervousness. He's just a little high we, strung. We have eighteen different names for it now, right? Depending on what <clears throat> viewpoint we look, it's it's a little autistic, it's a little antisocial, or it's a little uh, boisterous. Or the, right? It can be either too much side. coffee, high know. strung, or give low that guy some decaf. Or, and, yeah, everyone who's got their nerves are just a little bit twisted. <laughs> Have a nervous disposition. This, I think so this one is gun in the West. I think it's done. Not it's people who shake. I'm, I'm sober, but it's like so. Um, this is a fun question. I still this one goes through me like a, a wind. When did he start drinking? <laughs> he did no drinking until he was 35. So when I was six, I did social drinking up until about nine. Little sippy drinkies here, little maybe a little half a drink. But I did know. Drinking until 9, 10, 11. I didn't really know drinking until 2023, 20, but like, I don't think it's that. I think it's. At a, as a baby of one year old, I crawled over and emptied the bottle of beer sitting on the floor and then hit one with a cigarette butt in it and, and vomited what? all over. Good for you. And it took me a while to understand <clears throat> that a baby nurses a bottle and in order to get a cigarette butt, you have to gulp it. And I gulped it. And then not long after that, I ate a whole box of Benzedrine of no-dose when they used to have amphetamine in it. Had to go to the hospital and get my stomach pumped because my mom had a one-year-old in the crib who wouldn't go to sleep, kept crying all night. Your mom had reasons to drink. I was a drug addict, alcoholic at birth, baby. Next question. <laughs> Did it take him long to get into trouble with his drinking? No, I can say without even knowing where I am in the book. Um, it took a long time to In a few years, he had become so violent when intoxicated. Again, on page 21, the Jekyll and Hyde, right? Mm -hmm. It says he can be the nicest guy in the world, but get a few drinks into him and he does disgusting things. When intoxicated, the poor Jim had to be committed. What happened to him when he left the mental institution, rehab, detox, rest home, uh, farm? Well, first, the skies darkened and there was lightning. <laughs> and he walked out of those doors with a messy haircut. And on leaving the asylum, he came into contact with us. The first century Christian Oxford folks. Because there was no AA back then. Right. Now that you're beaten <clears throat> to submissiveness. Maybe. We think. What two things did those Oxford groupers tell him? Well, we told him. What we knew about alcoholism at that point, and the answer we had found. Oh, what did he do? Well, he made a beginning. 
<laughs> there's a comment. Like a radio show. Now. So there's a comment. What could we assume from this Nick statement? Danger, Here's a comment. You can fill this one in for us. Okay, great. Get ready to, to talk. Or Mark could even throw this in. What could we assume from this statement to make a beginning? Ooh. I want to hear what Mark says. What did he do to make a beginning? We told him. No, no, we, that's this is from you. This is kind of explain. What is this? Yeah, what is it to be make a beginning? What have you seen? What have you experienced to make a beginning? Going to rehab, going to detox. Okay, so now you get out. You, know, you get out. You, you get, get out and you meet you get a sponsor. Like you go to a meeting. You go to a home group. You, I mean, you get some good information out of it. So, like, you come here, you get some good information out of it, and it, it, it sounds great to, like, know it. You know, it's all I know it, so I'm probably good. You know, I, I made my beginning. Like, How about like, uh, come over to uh, do some booking for three or four hours? That, even that time? Nah, maybe a little too much work. You can even do that. You, you still get some good information yeah. out of it. I'll okay, tell like, well, one of my beginnings was... <laughs> It's Phoenix. It's 120 Fahrenheit in the summer, right? And uh, my sponsor would say, hey, I need you to mow my lawn. Or I need you to help me install the cooler, right? And, and, and I've heard people go, oh, your sponsor was abusing you. And it was absolutely the opposite. I had not been needed like that mm. by a friend in a long time. Yeah. And to get out there and bust my ass on something that had nothing to do with me and sober. I was paid yep. and I was abstinent I, yeah absolutely sober <laughs> I was in my first few months I got sober in February and now it's like May or June and I I felt great man I felt that was the beginning is being I think just being willing to take some kind of action directed to me by somebody who had some experience I my beginning was I signed up to them, go to them, their meetings. I went to a couple meetings, and then people forgot that I needed to go to their meetings. <laughs> and I was able to drink on the side without people knowing that I was drinking on the side until six months later I'm in a psych ward <laughs> at the hospital again. So I, I played the game, I'm going to meetings, but I didn't do the stuff. Showed up late, left early, didn't want to disrespect the, the sanctity of AA, but I also didn't, I just wanted people to just leave me the F alone, which was what Jim was basically kind of So you bought the Batman costume. Bought the Batman costume, but I... went out at night. No, don't look for the light. So, speaking of that, what did he not do? Oh, you're asking me? Well, I can tell you what he did, too. His family was reassembled. He began to work as a salesman in the business. He had lost through drinking. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. Everything was corporal. Everything was worldly. Everything was physical. Something for you to share upon, either of you. How do we develop our spiritual life in Alcoholics Anonymous? You want to go, Marky? Mark? By working a program of action. What's that? What's your act? 12 steps. How do you do that, though? I'll tell you, a lot of people, now I'm not being, I'm not trying to grill you, but I, I mean, those are, those, are easy, <laughs> those are easy answers, right? Right. And then people go, well, that's the answer you, my sponsor one time, he hit me with something, he goes, don't tell me what, I want, what you think I want you to say, you know? He came up to me at a meeting once, and he goes, uh, in my first year, right, and he says, uh, uh, it was after 90 days because I was taking myself. He took me to a meeting every night for the first 90 days because he knew I was, I'd be gone. And he says, uh, how's your life going? And, you know, it's pretty fucked up. I mean, sorry, it's pretty, pretty messed up. Fudgy. Fudgy, fudged up. It's pretty fudged up. And then it, 
I said, well, you know, because my uh, landlords are doing this and they're not taking care of the house, and then, you know, I broke up with this girl, and then, and then my car's not running anything, and trying to do my job is weird because then of this and of that. And he goes, well, you know, I haven't seen you at enough meetings. And I said, well, but wait. You're not hearing what I said. None of that. That's all okay. My AA is fine. I said, but my, my landlords are this way, and the, the girlfriend in my car, and the business, and my da, da, da. And he goes, yeah, no, you didn't hear me. I haven't seen you at enough meetings. And I go, wait, I don't, I don't get it. And he goes, well, so what's the most, and he told me that bit of putting things in front of your sobriety, right? What's the most important thing? I said, my career. I didn't have a career. Right? I had a desire for a career. I barely had a way to make money. But I had this image of what my career would be, right? Oh, my career. And he goes, okay, and after that, and I go, I know what you want me to say. My conscious contact with God. (laughs) And then what? Uh, I guess sobriety. He goes, well, and as soon as you get drunk, those first two things, whoosh, are gone. And I, and I thought about it. It was the first time anyone told me that. And the way he told me, it didn't make it like an axiom, right? Like just that we throw around, well, anything you put in front of sobriety. I mean, I actually, I bit into it. I could, I could see it as three-dimensional. I understood it. It became like, like more than knowledge. I, I understood it. It became understanding. And, and that's when my real action took place. Was I wasn't going to meetings so my sponsor could tick off another day that mm-hmm. I went to a meeting, right? I started seeing that this, all of this stuff had to be first, whether I liked it or not. By the way, when you read a year, I just heard in my heart go, a year? A year not drinking? Without drink? Are you serious? <clears throat> I don't have a problem. A year? I can prove it to you with a week. Couldn't go two days. <laughs> How do we develop our spiritual life in Alcoholics Anonymous? How do we? I My couldn't day. stay sober going to meetings. I was a meeting maker fool. I was going to meetings. <laughs> they made me alternate general service rep, and I kept drinking. They didn't kick me out because keep I coming back. Meeting makers make it. No, meeting makers don't because untreated <laughs> alcoholics always end up. Drinking. Right. right. So what I did, I got a sponsor, family group that finally pulled me aside and said, we're going to start you off doing this correctly. And we all got down on our knees and we did a prayer. God, Boom. please. They said, dear God, please keep my chase of sorry ass sober. And they all said at the same time, said, I said, dear God, please keep me sober today. And for the past 13, 14, 13 plus years, ballpark, you know, I've been starting my day every day seeking relationship with God, doing the things that make me closer to God and more beneficial to other people around me. That's how we do this. And Jim wasn't ready for that. He just wanted to, like, go to meetings, not even go to meetings probably, just because they didn't have meetings back then, did they? No. They just sort of met at somebody's house once a week and said, no, go read James, uh, Luke, and this other. And he's like, "Mm -hmm." They probably, I would imagine they were like, are are you going to church every Sunday? Because they were the Oxford Sure, because there are plenty of potential customers. But if church would have worked, church would have worked. worked. Right. So how many times did Jim wind up drunk? Seven. A half a dozen times in rapid success. That six walks of shame to pick up that white chip, right? It's consternation. I love that word. Ooh, darn, we didn't get far at all tonight. You got to quit chatting so much, Mike Chase. Um, well, two part I, question. I was going to own that one, but I'll let you Two know. part question. How many? What time was that? Is it? 
13. Oh, we got some time. How many times did Jim recover? How many times did the recovered alcoholics go to see Jim, and what did the AAs do? Well, all six times, each of them, each occasion we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. So knowing the problem doesn't help us, does it? Nope. They should have got him working a program of action. Knowing the answer doesn't help us. And the answer doesn't help. What did what did he know what happened? By the way, what did he know what happened again if he drank? He agreed he was a real alcoholic in a serious condition. He knew he faced another trip to the asylum if he kept on. Even more important, what else did well, he know would happen? Moreover, he would lose his family for whom he had a deep affection. He had the biggest reason even. in the world. He had all these reasons, but that's what it says back with, with, with on 2122 and 1920, right? Pages it says. And even Dr. Uh, Do me a Silver. favor. Go to page 24 and read the untreated fact box because you'll like this one. Page 24. The un I call it the untreated facts box because this is what untreated alcoholics do. So we got to quit telling newcomers to not drink between meetings because what will an untreated alcoholic do? Fact is, that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. That's right. And they're referring to untreated alcoholics. Have lost the power of choice. choice. Continue. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. Oh, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick Go. me. In 2015, Harvard Medical School did a study <laughs> and discovered the reason behind this paragraph. They discovered two things, that alcohol, even in small amounts, damages Jim's ability to make executive decisions, the frontal uh, rewires the right. neuroplasticity. Right. It, so it, it, it makes it difficult to go right or left. You, you, at the moment that you have to do it, it makes it difficult. So even small amounts of alcohol makes it impossible to say no. That's a physiological change in the brain. Also, the left cerebral cortex, which has minor memory in it, is affected by alcohol too. Therefore, we are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. Damn. So Harvard in 2015, Harvard Medical College, proved that both of these things are not only spiritual, but they are physiologically happening in our brains. That, I found that as being just like over the moon that they could write this 80 years before that, or when was it? This is 30, yeah, 70. A long time ago. 35 to 15, right? So 70 years? 80 years. I was right the first time. Go with your first instinct, man. Always pull the trigger when you pull the gun. Right? Sorry, but I. I, I, I Yet he got drunk. So we asked Jim to tell us exactly yes, what happened. This drunk. is his story. I came to work on... So he came to work on Tuesday. What happened to Monday? He felt irritated. He's got resentments. He's no-show for Monday. He gets yelled at by the boss. I had a few words with the boss, but nothing serious. BS, he got yelled at. I decided to drive for the country. Jim's having a little temper tantrum, right? right. Where does he go? To a slippery place. Where do untreated alcoholics should not go? Slippery places. They should go to a meeting, to right? They go to he had no intention, but he's going back to his watering hole. Yeah. I just thought it'd be great a sandwich. I also noticed I might find a customer in a car at this place, which is familiar to so he's going to he went to the place where everybody knows Jim, you lost your job for being yeah. a drunk. Wait a minute, Jim, I thought you had an appointment <clears throat> with a guy. 
about a car and nope. now you're looking for a customer in the bar. You what lied. Only oh, lied to the boss. Temper tantrum, right? You lied. Hmm. I might find a customer in this place where I've been going there for years. I had eaten there many times during the months I was sober. How many white chips has he picked up right now? Seven, though. So he's not sober. He's barely... Hanging on. He's barely absent, right? This is a guy who's just lying to himself. What do untreated alcoholics do? They find an excuse somewhere to wiggle in to find that loophole to get that one drink. You know, Silkworth wrote that also about both uh, opiumatics and uh, uh, alcoholics. That the two things that we have in common, the two way to treat them, two things to know about treating them. One, they have to have absolute, complete trust in their physician, and two, they will always use if they can get near it. Yeah, get they away. With always that. do opium or always drink if they get near it. And he said they seem to be opposed those two things, but they are not, which is interesting. Hence, instead of asking Jim what he did or telling him about what he did, they should have been getting him into the steps right away and getting get him started on a relationship well, we with God. Steps. They didn't, and the steps they had weren't really enjoyable to a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know if I would have done that. Work. So we're going to pick up on again. I guess we got to wrap up. This is Jim's story. Just look at it from a different light. You know, eventually the, the lie wins Remember out. Last week, the, Tanisha pointed out he had a second sandwich, which gave him that feeling of comfort, ease and comfort, which comes at once from ordering a second sandwich. Mm. <laughs> a reason to stay. A reason to stay. I got to stay. I got another there. one coming. So I would relapse. My grand sponsor would come up to me, right up to my face, about this far away. Oh my God, I can't do that no more. But he'd walk up and go, ooh, that honesty is a bitch, ain't it, Mike Chase? And I'd <laughs> sit down and it's like, I got to pick up a white chip. He knows crap. And then my sponsor would come in and it's like, well, not tonight. He'll get mad. So I'll wait. <laughs> for two more nights when he's not in the meeting to pick up my white chip because I was an untreated alcoholic and untreated alcoholics lie, cheat, steal, manipulate, and drink. Mm-hmm. wasn't until I got into the book but that everybody I just liked them. They can, Everybody can still like them. Everybody still like me, yeah. yeah. You can still, everybody, you don't have to be a totally unlikable guy to be a, a, an untreated alcoholic. So let's try next week staying more focused on the book and the information presented in the book. We'll try something different next week. How's that? Yeah, or we'll start on we'll start on the right Facebook. We'll page. start on yeah. We're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're gonna pick up uh, halfway through Jim's next week, and we're gonna jump into the Jaywalker story, which which is an opportunity for the other folks who are reading the book to maybe get an idea of why we're doing what we're doing. Because we know why we drink. We get something out of it. We get right. the ease and comfort. Right. They don't think we're getting they think the problem is us drunk that's our solution right they don't realize that we do it because oh. right they think that no that is so important normies think that drinking is the problem and it's not it is the solution for me it was it, it still is and what i just had to find is a different solution and this is the different solution but yeah. as it promises it's a solution to much more than my drinking to, to those of us who have problems other than alcohol, right? Which means everything else in my life. So look at the people, the, the, the members of Alcoholics Anonymous who are spiritually fit, doing this on a daily basis, who have lost their jobs, who are in furlough, who, who are still working with newcomers, who are going to Zoom meetings, who are listening to our meeting. They're been, staying sober. Been, been because it's a way of life. With, with heavy diseases. Being, I know people, you know, in this program that are still... We're fighting their, with their with their spouses, having given a death sentence with diagnosis, and still sober. 
This is a program that works when the rough gets, when the life gets rough, and also when it gets going. Learn to dance in the rough. So we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, wrap it up, baby. Go to the closing guide thing. You can you can read that first one. From a vision for you, God, Dad, will constantly disclose Abba. more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but you obviously cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and for countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your, your past. Give fruit of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you'll surely meet some of us as we trudge the road of happy destiny. It is the practice of the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group for group member sponsors to introduce their sponsees by presenting them with a sponsorship medallion. If you guys want to comment with an introduction to your sponsee to the family of Alcoholics Anonymous, go for it. That way they'll know that they're part of us. And perhaps maybe someone will reach out to them just out of the blue and say, Hey, how are you doing today? Woo-hoo. Because I know when I was new... And I was having a rough day. I wasn't going to call any of you spiritual gods. You know, these guys were so amazing. I couldn't call them. But when they started calling me, my life got better. They reached out to me. <laughs> you know what? That's what I said last night. Please introduce me from now on as, oh, he's been okay, but I think he could do better. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Anyone celebrating a year or more of sobriety and would like to uh, like a medallion? Then call Intergroup and they'll send you one. There you go. They're good at it. They're nice folk. Is anyone in need of a big book sponsor? If you need a sponsor, just reach out to some of the people and uh, the alcoholics, the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group members. They'll get you hooked up with somebody. Or zoom, zoom, zoom. By the way, if you want to become a member of this group, join us after the meeting to fill out a membership card. Just shoot us a text message, private message, one of us, and we'll get your name on the list. And then you, too, can become a member of this group. I'm not a home group member, obviously, because I, I found out today you're supposed to wear a collared shirt. If you're can all home group members raise your? Can all home group members give us a wave? Great to see you tonight. The meeting take down. Let's hope you guys. Oh, I love this story. Great to see you here. Right after me to help take the room down. Oh man, that's on page. That's in the book too. I think that's on page twenty-two where it says he tried to. Pull it all down on top of himself. That's the way to do so it. So don't forget, Thursday evenings is our Alcoholics and God Step Series workshop starting at 7.15. We're also we're going to be uh, live streaming that. That's over on the Alcoholics and God page, which is where that should be. Tonight and next, this week, we actually start in our new series. we got uh, Marion W. Uh, of her, um, she's from Bellingham, Washington, and now she's awesome. over in Boca and something. She's an amazing opportunity for us to, to, awesome. to see the grace of God. The purpose of how this, you know, you didn't know this, but the reason we have Monday night is a big book study where we learn the mechanics of Alcoholics Anonymous and what the book teaches us. And then the Thursday night is where we have people come in to show us how they present that in their way of life how it shows up in their life. So she'll be starting off her first series on Thursday. Um, oh, please wait till you're 75 feet away from the door. You know, a new study came like out today that vaping, people that vape are at a higher risk level for COVID-19. Novel, novel coronas, oh. coronavirus. That's right. 
So let's wait till you're on risk, baby. Outside issues. Please wait till you're 75 to vape. (laughs) Wait till you're 75 to vape. He didn't drink till he was 35. What the hell was? was, I I was five years sober. (laughs) I I think I was. I think I was coming up on 13, 14 years sober. Jesus. He missed so much. I didn't wait till I was five to start drinking. Hell. Okay, everybody, let's shake the crazy. Shake out the crazy. Okay. As I said, when I got an <clears throat> olive in my martini, I said, how quaint. I haven't had one of those since I was three. <laughs> martini? No, an olive in it. Let's close with the Lord's Prayer. If everybody just wants to repeat after us. Um, who will bring us from shame to grace? Our, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hope you guys enjoyed tonight. We'll see you Monday. And definitely check out Thursday. We're marrying on her first night out. Thank you so much. Thirsty bodies aching. I am desperately in need of restoration. Yeah, and I am ready for you to take me higher. Yeah, the only thing that I can do is. Keep on praying Cause on my own I just can't get you right It doesn't matter how hard I try But with you I become a much stronger man Getting on my knees puts me back on my feet again Load is heavy Too much to kill me These possessions that I have Amount to nothing at all
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Now, growing vines, they 
twist and turn each way Flowers blooming all the time right outside my door Like never before I had to change everything to realize That today is the best day of my life song is god bless i love you mike chase bye i think you know this one don't you